We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 110, a grueling set review. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, David. How are you? I am great. I am glad that I get to spend the opening day of preview season, or at least full preview season, with you. There's nobody in the world that I would rather spend this with than you. I feel the same way. I love you, Dave. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't say that because you're the only person in the world that would spend this with me. Yeah, that's probably true as well. <laughs> So what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to mix up our set reviews. We're going to go away from our normal uh, kind of routine for a set review. We just kind of do like an hour, hour and a half highlight of all the commons and uncommons we think are important. Um, and we're going to split this set review up over a couple of episodes here. And we're actually going to do card by card, uh, rapid fire for the most part, and uh, kind of give our gut first impressions of the card. And we're going to have a grading system like we did kind of in our first set reviews. Um, and we'll go deep dive, do a deep dive into some of the cards that we think are important, but most, most cards in limited are going to basically explain themselves. And we're going to agree on, on a lot of these cards when it comes to relative ratings. So, uh, it's going to be a rapid fire episode here. And, uh, as indicated by the title, we're going to start with green and red today for the gruel colors. So Travis, you do set reviews like this on your stream quite frequently with uh, Ethan from the Lords of Limited. How do you normally do your grading uh, systems when it comes to this? The grading system that we've adopted is the one used by Limited Resources, which seems kind of standard these days, where you would grade cards as an A through an F with pluses or minuses if you think it's a little better or a little worse. Um, with A being very good cards and F being virtually unplayable. So super quick, an example of an F uh, from a recent set would be Smothering Tithe, which is three and a white for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If they don't, you get a treasure token. This was virtually unplayable in all decks. You didn't want it anywhere near your deck. Uh, a D, which is a card that you can play but often don't want to. I, I thought a great example of that was Clear the Mind which is two and a blue for a sorcery. Target player shuffles their graveyard into their library, draw a card. Now, if you knew what you were doing, you could wield these and make a pretty cool deck with them and build around them, but it wasn't a card that just went in every blue deck that you played. Uh, so that was a card I typically didn't want. Cs are the bread and butter of limited. Um, a good example of that might be Impassioned Orator from a recent set. One and a white for a 2-2. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. Cs are fine. Like, you're going to have a lot of Cs in your deck. Um, a lot of your creatures are going to be Cs. They're just kind of curve filler. Uh, an example of a B uh, is usually a good removal spell or something that will pull you into wanting to play that color. So you see a B-level card, you're like, I kind of want to play this color. Whereas a C, you're more like, I can play this card. Uh, Luminous Bonds is kind of the perennial example of a B. Uh, it's two and a white. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. So it's just three mana. The thing can't do anything. And then an A is a card that will win the game on its own if your opponent doesn't do anything to it, 
or removal that's just so efficient or creatures that are just so efficient that they're kind of unbelievable. Uh, Biogenic Ooze comes to mind from the last set, which was basically if you can cast it and have some green mana, you have infinite oozes and your opponent's going to die. So that's the scale we'll be using. If we call a card an A, we think it's an auto first pick. If it's a B, it means we think you should be leaning into that color. C means it's playable. D means probably don't play it. And F means we think it's pretty bad. Yeah, pretty straightforward. We're not going to really split hairs on a lot of these things. Um, You know, the difference between a C plus and a C is they're both kind of filler, but you probably pick a C plus a little bit higher than the C Um, Mm -hmm. or the C plus has a little more synergy. So it's really it's pretty straightforward. You know, you want your A's and B's, but you're going to have a lot of C's in your deck as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to start with red, I think. And uh, you're going to do the red readouts and then I'll give you my first impression. We'll try to settle on a grade and then carry on to the next one. Sounds good. We will start off then with On Crop Invader. Two and a red for a 2-2 zombie minotaur warrior. As long as it's your turn, On Crop Invader has first strike. You may spend colorless, sacrifice another creature. On Crop Invader gets plus two, plus oh until end of turn. So my first thought on this card is um, it kind of attacks like a death toucher. Um, the, the threat of activation means that it, on attacks, it should be able to trade with pretty much anything on your opponent's, or not trade, it should be able to eat anything on your opponent's side of the table that they decide to block with. Um, it just gets outclassed in the late game. So if there is a solid kind of black-red sacrifice theme, um, and you're going to have kind of extra things around to sack that lose value in the, in the late game, or even in the mid game, I think this could be a pretty solid three drop. Um, even on its own, just as a 2-2 first striker when attacking can be difficult to attack and block. I didn't do a lot of number crunching, but I did do some number crunching. Unfortunately, I didn't do the number crunching on, um, on power, but I did do number crunching on toughness. There's approximately 36, no, sorry, I'm wrong, 29 X2s and 18 X1s. So you're looking at, what's that, about, uh, 50, 47? Um, cards that this gets through without sacrificing another creature in order to punch it through. Um, so if you want a three drop that's aggressive and doesn't really block very well, this is what you're looking for. As a whole, though, I'm probably going to give it a, a C minus. Um, I would play these. If I'm aggressive, I'll probably rate it a little bit more, but I don't know how fast the format's going to be just by looking at it right, right now. Yeah, you slap this ability on a 2-mana 2-2, and I'm super in, and I think the card's very solid. Put it on a Scathe Zombie, I think we're looking at a D+, but generally speaking, I agree with you. I'm looking for synergies for take your opponent's creature and sack it, or a way to threaten a Planeswalker um, via attacks, which this will certainly do. But D+, C-, close enough. Yep. Uh, That brings us to Blind Blast. This is 2 and a red for an instant. Blind Blast deals one damage to target creature. That creature can't block this turn. Draw a card. Wow, that's real expensive for three things that don't normally go together on a card. Um, There are only 18 X1s, and two of them are rares in the set. So there's really only 16 good targets for this. And a lot of those X1s are things that uh, probably don't get played um, or are going to get out of uh, X1 range after they get a plus one, plus one counter. So I'm not interested in the one damage to target creature. That creature can't block this turn. I mean, for three mana, that's that's really expensive. And the draw card, I mean, ugh. all that does is really knock the mana cost of this card down to, to one and a red is what it feels like at this point. Uh, I think I'm out on this card. I don't think I'm ever going to draft it or play it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Where you where are you going to put it? 
Yeah, it just doesn't fit anywhere. Like, it's it's the red opt, <laughs> except it's nowhere near as good. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to concede I'd probably rather play an opt. This is a, an F for me. Yep. Uh, that'll bring us to Bolt Bend, which is three and a red for an instant. This spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. Change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. Yeah, this one's interesting to me because the the green red decks is seems like there's a, a few cards that power four or greater matters, and then there's the blue red kind of spells matter deck, and this seems to be straddling the line between both of them. Um, it, what it is is it, it's essentially a red counter spell. Um, with obviously it's going to flip around if it's a removal spell and kill your opponent's creature, so you can get a nice nice little turn of, of fortune here. Um, the the four mana though is it feels real expensive to me. Like when are you going to hold this up unless you're playing green red or unless you're playing a lot of things at instant speed? So I think I think this has a spot in in very specific decks, but it's not something that I'm looking to pick up early. Is where I'm kind of thinking about that. Um, I think the first one is probably fine, and I don't want any more than that. I would probably put it at like a like a C C minus somewhere in there. Um, I'm not looking to pick these up early, but if I end up with one in my pile, I'll probably look to see if I can squeeze it in and if it makes sense. Um, if I want to be playing a kind of like a counter spell in my red green deck or in my blue red deck. You know, everything you said is true. I, I've played with these effects before because they've had very very old ones. And they were very good when you got to use it on your opponent's removal spell. The downside here is you're right, it's sort of like a counter spell, but it only counters a removal spell. So that sort of reminds me of Negate, which might actually be pretty good in a set with Planeswalkers, except this isn't going to hit them. Mm-hmm. So my, my big concern here is like, they have to be count, casting a targeted spell. So basically my opponent needs to have three removal spells, four removal spells... And I've got to have this up exactly when they do that. It's a lot of things that need to go right for this to do anything. So for me, I'm going to go D- minus on this one. That's fair. It might be a better sideboard card. Bring it in against a deck that is playing like five or six really good removal spells. Because um, at that point, you know, your opponent's always going to have removal uh, if in a deck like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm sold there. Sideboard okay. for sure. Uh, Bond of Passion is four red red for a sorcery. Uh, of note, this is an uncommon... Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste. Bond of Passion deals two damage to any other target. So help me out with this one. It, obviously, it's very expensive. Um, and it feels like this is going to get trapped in your hand a lot of the time. Unless you can win the game on the spot with it. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it definitely feels like a card like that. So you, in some scenarios, you could be getting two creatures out of the way, which could put lethal on board or if your opponent is kind of overzealous at attacking you um you know then it just becomes just an act of treason with an extra two damage to the face but six mana seems like a lot of mana for that and it's it's double red so it's also hard to cast in a set without a lot of uh without a lot of fixing um i think because of all of that i'm probably out on this card unless i want uh like an act of treason style effect for sacrifice abilities uh we saw the on crop invader that that now puts you up to seven mana in order to get like <laughs> yeah this is like a, a removal spell which is effectively becomes a three for one at that point which is kind of neat um but i think there's a lot of things that have to go right in order for that to happen and the the floor on this card is like through the basement it's like 10 feet underground and i'm not interested in a card that has such a low floor even if the ceiling is really high 
Yeah, all of that ag agree that adds to up to a D minus for me. Now, where you are going to want this is in a Gruul deck that would play an Act of Treason. Like in Boros, it, it mattered that Act of Treason style effects, if you're playing something very aggressive, it mattered that it was cheap because you could get one thing out of the way, sneak in some damage, and then go wide and kill them in a few turns. In, in decks that were looking to ramp and go big, but also still wanted an Act of Treason as a finisher, it didn't really matter that it cast, cost three mana because you had like seven or eight by the time you cast it. Uh, so I, I can see this having a place, but yeah, I'm not super excited about it either. Yeah, and we do get a couple of mana dorks in green, um, as well as the New Horizons, uh, the land enchantment. So there is a decent amount of ramp, it seems like, in, in green-red. So you're probably right. It probably goes exactly in that deck and nowhere else. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, that'll take us to Burning Prophet, which is one in red for a 1-3 human wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it gets plus one, plus O until end of turn, then scry one. I'm honestly less interested in the plus one, plus zero, and more interested in the scry one off of this. Um, because what you know, when you're looking at your two drops, you want them to be able to either attack or block, and this seems like it might do a pretty good job of blocking. Um, with the threat of activation, you might be able to jump up and eat into a 2-2 two -two sometimes on blocks. But I think if you can get a couple of scries off this thing, it's it's turned into that 2-1 that, that scry to uh, Omen Speaker in M19. And, you know, it's, it's a little harder work for with a little bit of random upside sometimes. So I think it's not quite as good as an Omen Speaker. But, it, you know, if, if I want a 2-drop in my red deck, which I probably do... Um, this might make the cut some of the time, or maybe it comes in out of the board against aggressive uh, decks. I'd probably go like a C somewhere between, I guess a C minus in that case. Um, probably taking like an on crop invader over it most of the time. Um, but if if I need that two drop filled, this is probably better than just a random two two with no abilities. I mean, I think it's fine. This is a C. Mm -hmm. I, I I think I'd probably take the first one over an on crop invader, but that's a sad pack if I'm looking at these two cards and trying to decide there. The one thing it doesn't do that Omen Speaker does is make you feel super comfortable keeping two land hands. Yes. You should do it anyway, so you don't have to worry about it, but like you'll eventually get your value. You're just not going to get it all up front. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that'll take us to Chain Whip Cyclops, which is four in a red for a Cyclops Warrior. 4-4, four, four, activated ability of three and a red, no tap. Target creature can't block this turn. I whip my chains back and forth. Well, you, yeah, I guess you do. Not quite as good as Goblin Chain Whirler, though, eh? No, but he literally has Chain Whip in his name. Um, he, yeah, he does, he does. I'm, I'm a big fan of this card uh, because of the mana sink. The fact that it's repeatable and really good, like a really good price on it, too. It's not like, you know, a two drop that has a seven mana activated ability. It's a five drop that its activated ability is cheaper than it, which is, I think there's a really good price. Um, and this ability is always going to be relevant as long as you're attacking. You can break open a board stall. Uh, you can sneak through a couple of extra points of damage. You can just put lethal on board next turn and force your opponent to remove this or your other best creature. Um, it's a triple threat. It, it slices, it dices, it does everything. Like, not quite... Uh, like a B, but maybe like a C plus, B minus, somewhere in there. I definitely want one of these in my red-green deck for sure, and maybe my red-anything deck. People make fun of me when I do set reviews because I say everything's a C. Like, I, I feel like this is a C. It, if it was a 4-5 or a 5-4, I'm kind of over the moon about it, but then I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't get this activated ability. Like, I'd almost just rather have a 5-4 for, for 5 in red in most of my decks. 
Yeah, but this one punches through your 5-4. Like, if you've got a 5-4 in green or whatever, a 4-5 in green, this one punches that through. Or punches this and something else through, right? Like, the... I mean, there's just... I think there's just a lot of scenarios where this activated ability, like, actively threatens your opponent and either slows them down or wins the game. Um, you, you can turn a board stall in your favor, and if you're behind... I mean, it's a 4-4, four, four, you're going to throw it in front of anything, and it usually trades quite nicely at that point anyway. So, I mean, you can call it a C, but I think you're going to pick it higher than a C. I think you're going to pick it higher than, like, an on-crop, uh, whatever that card was. It scrolled off my screen. Um, you know, you're not going to pick it above good removal or the good planeswalkers, but I think you're going to pick it if you need a 5-drop and you don't have any other ones yet. Um, you're going to take it as a reason just like, yeah, like, this is a good comment. I'm going to see this, and I'm going to play it. Yeah, I can go there. I just want everything to be Dowser of Lights these days. <laughs> it's pretty pretty close. It's close. Uh, that'll bring us to a rare Planeswalker, Chandra Fire Artisan. Uh, two red red for a four loyalty Planeswalker. Static ability, whenever one, or more loyal, whenever one or more loyalty counters are removed from Chandra, she deals that much damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. Okay. So that would mean, like, they hit her, she's going to deal damage to somebody, right? Yep, or you minus her. Okay. Plus one, exile the top card of your library, you may play it this turn. Neg seven, exile the top seven cards of your library, you may play them this turn. I'm not terribly excited with this one. Um, And the reason is, is because she comes down on five loyalty and probably pulls a card off the top of your deck that you can't play this turn. But if you can protect her for her turn and start getting that card advantage off of her... Um, I think she can become very, very good. So it's, I think it's high risk, high reward to take her. Um, I'm really not sure where I would grade her. Like, probably like a B minus. Um, I don't think her static ability is great, but it certainly is. You know, basically, if something if something attacks her, it's it can be like a four to five point life swing in both directions. So, like, I'm gaining life because they're attacking a Planeswalker, and then my opponent is losing life, or I'm killing a Planeswalker of theirs. That's, that's I think, like, the best-case scenario off of this card, is maybe you draw one or two cards, and then you deal three or four points of damage to your opponent and gain four life off of it. And I think, or I guess it'd be more than that if you're plusing her. I, th- I think that's where it ends up. So you can build a board state in where she's just going to be lethal if they do if they attack her at all, um, and then eventually you take her up and you know, draw a bunch of cards. I don't or think that's going to kill them when you minus seven. Like, or kill them when you minus seven. Like he, here's the thing, though. Imagine you don't play this on turn four. You play another four drop, mm-hmm. and you wait until you don't have any cards in your hand, and then play it. Um, like if if I get to draw two cards off of this, I've built a divination, and I could get significantly more. And in a world of planeswalkers, again, they've got that question of, well, I could attack Chandra and stop Dave from drawing cards. But if I do, they're going to kill my Planeswalker in response. Mm-hmm. So I, I I feel like she's got enough going to edge into the B-minus range. That's probably where I settle down. I think I'm going to suffer from, in this format, I'm going to suffer from the, I expect all Planeswalkers to be good, or bombs. Like, I expect them all to be A's, or A-minuses, or B-pluses. And that's just not going to be the case. There are going to be a lot of Planeswalkers that I'm never going to pick. There's going to be a lot of Planeswalkers that are situational, or build-arounds. And there's going to be a lot of Planeswalkers that are good you know, depending on their rarity, good to great. Um, yeah. And I just need to understand that, like, I'm going to be underwhelmed by Planeswalkers, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think she does enough. She may even be in the, uh, just a B. Um, but let's 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 leave her in that B range, at least. 
and move on to Chandra's Pyrohelix, which is one in red for an instant. This is a reprint. Uh, deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two targets. Uh, this can go face, can go to planeswalkers, can go to creatures. Yeah, uh, like I said, 47 targets for creatures, uh, whether that be X1s or X2s. Um, so two mana shock isn't great, but a two mana kill two things is very, very good. Um, and if you can get a nug a planeswalker with it. So the thing about the uncommon planeswalkers, and we haven't really seen that yet, is it seems that a lot of them, when you use their minus ability twice, they go down to one loyalty. So this can be the difference between your opponent having a static ability on a planeswalker that's already used their activated ability twice or making them make a decision on whether they can use that second activated ability or keep their Planeswalker around. Uh, and in a world of Proliferate, removing Planeswalkers could be very important, depending on how good uh, the the static ability is on the other side of the table, or even the activated ability, right? If it's a, if it's a removal spell, you kind of want to keep them off of being able to proliferate that. Um yeah, so I think I think I'm high on this card. Like, I'm not gonna. It's not like a B territory, but it certainly is. Like, I'm gonna want one or two of these if I can get them uh, in a draft for sure. At least one, I would say I'd want in pretty much every red deck. So, I guess that makes it like a C plus. Um, yeah, I think any more than that, and you're gonna like run out of targets for it fairly quickly. I agree with all of that. Also, sometimes your opponents at two. That's true too. The ability to go face is is not irrelevant here. Uh, which brings us to Chandra's Triumph, one in red for an instant. Uh, deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. It deals five damage instead if you control a Chandra. It's really just a lightning strike with the downside of it can't go to the face. Yeah, but it can go to planeswalkers. But it can go to, pla- go, can go to planeswalkers, which is something we'll see. I think we'll see, if I remember correctly, there's a lot of uncommon removal spells that touch planeswalkers, and a lot of the common ones don't. Um, but there's uh, kind of some uh, some rules I think that that get broken in there. So, um, and actually, it's interesting. We'll s- I ask the question, why not just lightning strike? And we'll see later that there's actually a version of this that hits creatures. And it's kind of like that's that's interesting. Is that we have essentially two lightning strikes in this set. Um, and I think I think both are very good. Like this one, I like a lot more than Pyrohelix. So it's probably mm-hmm. in like that B minus territory. Like I I probably not picking it over Chandra the Planeswalker, but it's probably pretty close. I need to bump Chandra up to a B plus because uh, this is a B minus. So you're so you're going to put Chandra up because of that, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I okay. think the the card advantage could be a big deal, but we've played with Lightning Strike before. We know what this does. Oh, for sure. Uh, Cyclops Electromancer four in a red for a four two Cyclops Wizard. When it enters the battlefield, deals X damage to target creature and opponent controls, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. We need some kind of nickname that plays off of Volley Veteran. Okay. Because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, your volley veteran was goblins on the battlefield, which is usually X equals one or two. Electromancer is probably, if in, in a deck that has, you know, eight or nine instance or sorceries, this is probably going to be X equals one or two a lot of the time. Um, it only hits creatures, which is a bit of a, a womp womp for me. Um, but, you know, we saw volley veteran, it usually had a target on the other side of the battlefield, and I think this one usually will as well. So... Uh, like probably like a B minus, like it's probably in that same realm of, of Chandra's triumph. I probably take triumph more, uh, more than Electromancer, but I think I'm taking Electromancer over a full, a few things, especially if I'm spells matter. Maybe I'm not taking it early if I don't know that I'm spells matter, but if I know that I'm spells matter, I think this is a high pick. Yeah. And and that's, that's why I'm going to actually rate it a D. 
Uh, like the body is pretty unimpressive. Five mana for a four two, I'm out. I have to have this trigger in order for this to be good. So to me, that's a card that's more of like a build around or I'm going to try to, to make this work. So I, I'm going to try to pick up good spells first and then get this a little bit later. Because most, what are the good spells you play in Limited, Dave? Removal spells. Yeah, and those go pretty highly. So like if this is in the pack with a removal spell, I'm going to take the removal spell and then see if I get one later. But look, if I've got five good removal spells and then I see one of these dudes, sure, let's talk. Yeah, I mean, what we saw with Volley Veteran is obviously if it could come down and kill something, like it was pulling its weight, and the four the four power is it's not an irrelevant body, like it's going to it, trade with something a lot of the time, right? That's all true, but it was a mana cheaper, and oh, was it was it in only a four? Mm. yeah, it was four mana, and then it was in a set where like one of the better red commons was make two goblin tokens. Yeah, so like that's true. every deck I had Volley Veteran in had four of those because like if you got the Volley Veteran you're going to be able to find them. So like increase the cost by one and then like flip a coin whether it does anything at all because like Volley Veteran always at least did one damage. If if you don't have any spells in your graveyard, which is not impossible on turn five, it's just a five mana four two. Yeah, that's fair. You talk me down off that one, so I'll come right. down a little bit. I'm sorry to demolish you there. Um, <sighs> Let's just but our next demolish. card. Skip it. Demolish three and a red for a sorcery. Destroy target artifact or land. This goes in your sideboard. Don't put it in your main deck. Devouring Hellion is two and a red for a 2-2 Hellion. As it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice any number of creatures and or planeswalkers. If you do, it enters with twice that many plus one, plus one counters on it. Yeah, so we're we're seeing that um, sacrifice theme in red on a couple of cards. I'm thinking off the top of my head, good things to sacrifice um, would be Planeswalkers that are out of loyalty, that don't have a really good static ability, which there may be a couple. Uh, your amass tokens, so your zombie army tokens that are small, that maybe are getting outclassed on the other side of the battlefield, and put onto, they can be put onto this thing. Um, there's not a ton else, really. You're just sacrificing things that are outclassed from the other side, it seems, so far. So... I'm a little down on this card just because I don't think... Like, I haven't seen the synergies of Sacrifice. But if you're playing, like, you know, a deck with a bunch of Amass and you have just a random 1-1 or 2-2 zombie token sitting around, you know, this thing all of a sudden becomes a 4-4 or a 6-6. It definitely gets better in the late game. Um, In a board stall where you have a bunch of creatures that are outclassed and you're not... Like, maybe you've run your opponent out of removal, but that's a pretty niche, narrow kind of scenario for this card. So I think I need to be proven that this card does things as opposed to kind of assuming that it's going to do things right away. So I'm a, I'm a little down on this one. I probably go like a, like a C minus, maybe a D plus, uh, unless you have a really good deck, um, getting a lot of value out of your sacrifice effects. Yeah. I'll go with you on D plus what I'm looking for to make me excited to include this card is enchantment based removal that my opponents might be running, which I don't think there's actually a lot of in this set. There's one, there's one. Okay. Is it common? Uh, I think so. It's in blue. It's the, okay. the one that turns to frog, so I forget exactly okay. which one it is. Fair enough. So like something like that makes me interested in this. And then occasionally we'll see a creature that has an enter the battlefield ability, and you're playing it for the ability, not for the body. Uh, the rats from the recent set come to mind, where you're playing it to make your opponent discard a card, and then you plan to later sacrifice it to fuel a removal spell or to get a chump block out of. So if there's a lot of cards like that, this will move up. Uh, but from what I've seen so far, yeah, we're probably in the D-plus range. You can play it, but it ain't looking great. Yeah, there's a handful of things that do things on, on death, um, like put a plus one, plus one counter where this thing dies, but there's not a ton of them. 
Okay, so like, look for that if you want to maximize this. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Dread Horde Arcanist. Uh, one in red for a 1-3 Trample. When it attacks, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to Dread Horde Arcanist power from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If it would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Um, so never playing this in limited realistically? I mean, sometimes you want a 1-3. It's, it's probably a C. Uh, it's probably worse than a C. I mean, so in order to cast anything out of your... Well, I guess, okay. If you have one mana tricks, green-red with giant growth, this this is very good in that deck. But I, I'm, I'm struggling to think... I mean, maybe I just haven't seen those cards. But, like, unless you have to... You might have to jump through hoops to get activations off of this thing. So it's really just a 1-3 trample for the most part. I'm... No, I don't know. see, I'm down on this you, one. You cast the giant growth main phase, and, and then, then you, you attack, and then you attack with it and cast it again. Like there's stuff you can do with it. It's hard for me to say that. Like, don't get too caught up on the ability. It's hard for me to look at a two mana card that has four points of power and toughness and say it's not a C. Like, I'd I'd rather the the one three that, that gets plus one plus zero in scries sometimes than this. To be sometimes, honest. sometimes, yeah. not all the times. Right? I'm never so I'm never first picking this. I, I'm probably not either, but it, it's going to go around and I'll play it. I just wouldn't get too excited about it. Um, it. It could be super fun to do that giant growth deck and do all kinds of shenanigans and just kill your opponent with this. Because, like, it's a lot of damage on turn two if you've got a couple giant growths. Uh, but it, I don't think that going all-in type strategy is for me. But the card's fine. It's a 1-3. What do you want for two mana? Uh, what do I want for two mana? I'd rather have a 3-1 most of the time. but I'd rather um, have a 3-mana removal spell. <laughs> or 2-mana yeah. removal spell, I mean, yeah. All right, whatever. Let's carry on. Carry on. Uh, Dreadhorde Twins is 3 and a red for a 2-2. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield, amass 2. Zombie tokens you control have trample. Call the cavalry. Basically. Upside. Basically. Upside. So I want to talk about amass a little bit here. Um, I was thinking about it the other day, and like... You know, people had different opinions on a mass, and what I came up with is a mass is very different depending on the stage of the game that you're in, or depending on what you have for a zombie army token already. So if you don't have a zombie army token and you play this on turn four, it's called a cavalry, which is pretty decent, right? I like mm-hmm. I like having my four power and toughness split over two bodies. If you have a zombie token already you're effectively giving it two points of haste. It's like enchanting it. You're putting Knight's Pledge on this or uh, 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 Knightly Valor on this one. Now, Mm -hmm. also a good card. What if you have like a 1-1 and you make it a 3-3, but on your opponent's side of the battlefield, they got a bunch of 3-4s and 4-4s. Now your zombie token's just outclass and it's not doing anything, except it's really good on defense because now you can double block with it. So you can't really evaluate a mass as like you're always going to get a 2-2. It's like sometimes you're going to get a 2-2 two, two haste. Sometimes you're going to get a 4-4 a four, four that's going to block. Like it's got defender, you can pretend. And sometimes it's going to have evasion depending on your static abilities on these uh, these zombie lords. They're effectively lords, but there's one that gives trample. There's one that gives menace. There's one that gives flying. There's all sorts of these things that you have to kind of factor in. So I think it's going to be very tough to evaluate a mass in a vacuum. You kind of have to evaluate it alongside the rest of your deck. If this is the only card that has a mass in your deck, it's called the Cavalry. But if I have eight other amass cards in my deck, now I have to start thinking about the different scenarios 
that I'm casting this on turn four or turn five or turn six and evaluate it from there. So it could go up in value. And then there's going to be some scenarios where the amass just doesn't matter. And this card is basically dead. I don't think the amass will never just not matter, right? Like you'll at least get your token. Um, but all, all of that adds up to this is like a C plus level card for me to begin with. Um, it, it's call a cavalry with upside and like that upside could be significant based on the other amass cards you have. It might not be, uh, but either way, I'm fine with that. I think these these cards definitely scale up the more amass you have. Like if every card in your deck has amass, this card is insane. And if it's the only one, the floor is pretty high on it, right? Like like we said, like I'm I'm with you on the C plus here, but I think I might even pick this a little higher than that if it's early in a pack to speculate on how much amass I'm going to get. And that's what I'm interested in first picking the cards that are good with a mass on their own and then try to get like a critical amass of zombies after that. I see what you did there. Uh, so you're going to call this a B plus or a B minus for your first pick? C plus B minus somewhere in there. All right, I'll, prob- I'll probably pick it less like lower than the, the removal spells, but higher than pretty much all the other red creatures I've seen so far. Okay. Uh, well, that'll bring us to finale of promise. X red red for a sorcery. You may cast up to one target instant card and or up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard with each converted mana cost X or less without paying their mana costs. If a card would be cast this way uh, and put into your graveyard, exile instead. If X is 10 or more, so 12 mana, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. This is an interesting spell. So this is part of a cycle of X color color cards finale of whatever, and they all have that kind of same, if X is 10 or more, you get some kind of extra effect. This one obviously only goes in that Spells Matter deck, I think. I think it's going to be very tough to fit it in, like, a red-green deck, for example, um, to, to get maximum value off of it. I'm trying to think of, like, what a good casting cost is. I guess if X is 5, you're probably getting out of your deck or out of your graveyard, I guess, is two good spells is if X is five, that's probably where you want to be casting it. So seven mana cost. There's a lot of stuff that has to go right for this card to be good. Um, and a lot of stuff can go wrong with it, just making it terrible. So I think I'm probably not as high on this card as the other finales. I'm really not sure where to evaluate it otherwise. Like it really depends on how good that that blue red deck is because you can draw a bunch of cards and use a piece of removal for seven mana and or five mana or six mana or whatever it is. And that's probably fine, but there's going to be a lot of times where it just does one of those things and it's going to be underwhelming. I think. Yeah. This is a card I'll be excited to play towards the end of the format when we're like, Oh my God, I'm so sick of war of the spark, uh, mm-hmm. which will happen eventually. Uh, but for like bread and butter play, this is probably a D minus like you probably shouldn't be playing this. Uh, but if you want to have some fun, knock yourself out. Yeah. And I'm totally willing to be wrong on that one. Like I'm going to give it a D I'm totally willing to accept if I'm wrong on this card after yeah. seeing the first couple of weeks of the format. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's something you're going to want that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to Goblin Assailant, which is one in red for a Goblin Warrior. 2-2 flavor text. I don't know if I want these more than the 1-3s. I guess it depends if I'm attacking or blocking. Yep. It's, it's whatever. It's fine. It's a, it's a D plus, D, whatever. You're going to have a couple of these. They're fine. It's a C minus. I mean, sure. To, sure. Fair point. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it, it's such an irrelevant card. Yeah, you'll you'll get these if you want them. Uh, Goblin Assault Team is three and a red for a 4-1 haste. When it dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. 
you know, at first I was thinking about this card and I'm like, eh. And then the more that I thought about it, if I'm playing the the green, red, or red-white deck where I have some pl- proliferate, I'm going to want ways to get random plus one, plus one counters on creatures. And maybe this is a way to do that. You know, you, you attack into your opponent, you get rid of a 2-2 on the other side of the battlefield, and then you persist one point of power and toughness on something else, maybe making it a relevant creature, um, and maybe in like enabling that proliferate. That's a lot that has to go right for this card. Um, I'm going to come down on probably like a D minus or D plus on this one. Um, but I could see decks where I want one of these or two of these in my four drop spot, especially if I have a lot of removal. Like if I've got a lot of two and three drop removal spells and I can jam one of these on turn four and start plunking through for damage, um, you know, a hyper aggressive deck. If that's a thing, this is probably a role player in that deck. If it's not a thing, then whatever. This goes really well with the uh, the two two Pegasus in white that we'll see at some point, where you can fly your creatures over. Um, you go three drop into this, and now if your opponent removes this, your Pegasus becomes a three three, or they remove the Pegasus, which is the smart thing to do, and you've already plunked through for a bunch of damage. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's a really aggressive deck. I think this goes in that deck, but I'm not going to take it early. I don't know, man. I think it might be like everything I wanted out of Blazing Sergeant, uh, but better. It's a mana cheaper, and it basically does the same thing. It's an edict that puts a counter on one of your other creatures. Uh, and you mentioned everything you could do with Proliferate as mm-hmm. as a mechanic. In addition, uh, we've already like you can put the counter on your Amass token if you happen to have one of those laying around, and maybe get more value out of those cards. But I'm not going to argue too much. I think all of that adds up to like a C-level card for the four-drop slot. Uh, just You'll want to remember that there are, is a, a hasty four-drop in red at common to attack you and your Planeswalkers. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of these flying around on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us to Grim Initiate. Uh, red for a 1-1 first strike when it dies a mass one. Yeah, I'm I'm off on this card. There's there's no like a one one first strike doesn't do anything, and the the amass one is not enough to be relevant. I think so. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to play this card. So hunted witness was pretty terrible in the most recent set. I don't think this is hunted witness. I don't that, think it's the same thing. The hunted witness made a life linker, which, which is a little that more. That never mattered. That do, that totally mattered. No, I, but the amass like no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think I'm interested in this card. I didn't, I, I didn't play Hunted Witness because of, like, you played Hunted Witness because of Convoke. You didn't play Hunted Witness because you wanted a 1-1 that made a 1-1. We have very different experiences with the most recent set. Uh, I'm not saying I think this is great. I think it's a C-, minus, which is where I think Hunted Witness was, too. Sure. Um, but I've played decks that had multiples. And I did I, in my experience, I didn't want it for Convoke. I wanted it for Boros so that I could mentor onto it and do things with it. And oh, I sure. think... I think this is kind of like a reverse mentor thing going on with the Amass. Like, if I have a couple of these, maybe there's a two-drop enchantment that buffs people. Maybe I've got some other Amass stuff going on. A couple of them block pretty well. I'm not going to go nuts, but I think the card's certainly playable. I mean, if... if I, I'm kind of splitting hairs here, but, like, obviously the Amass gets better when you have a larger zombie army, right? So, But there's there's a point where the the one just doesn't matter. Like, the one is yeah. not nearly as impactful as a 2 would be. Like, going from, from a 2-2 two, 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 to a 3-3 three, three is great. Um, going from, like, a 5-5 five, five to a 6-6, six, six, when it just gets chumped, it doesn't matter. Um, so that that's kind of where I think I'm at on a mass on this one. I think my, my floor for a mass is a mass 2. Because making a 1-1 one, one zombie army 
is kind of like whatever, but making a 2-2 zombie army early in the game can actually block and attack and do things that are relevant, I think. Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't think this card's great, but I think it's going to see play. Sure. Uh, next up, we've got Heartfire. Uh, this is an instant, one in a red. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature or planeswalker for damage to any target. What was the one from Ixalan block? Reckless Rage deals four damage to target creature, deal two damage to one of yours. Mm-hmm. Not even close. <laughs> this is, this no. is obviously not, not nearly as good as that. Um, and I really like that one, but it, again, it depends on what kind of things you have to sacrifice, right? Like if you're sacrificing a one, one zombie army bonus, that's awesome. If you're sacrificing a two, two for two, like this, it just, it's not worth it. So it really depends on the makeup of your deck. There will be decks where this will be a powerhouse card. Um, so I'm going to call it like, maybe like, a, I don't know if build around is the right word, but it, there is a specific deck that wants this card. And I don't think it's every red deck that wants this card. Like, I don't even want to toss away my mana elves because there's so many mana sinks in this format. So it's not like I'm going to have like a, a one drop or a two drop elf that I can just sacrifice in my green red deck. Like, I'm going to want to keep those around. There's not a lot of things I can think of off the top of my head that I want to sacrifice so far. It reminds me of a weird mix of Severed Strands and Fling. Mm -hmm. Because with Strands, I could sacrifice a creature and kill one of yours. With Fling, I could do that in response to you doing something. It's important to note that this is instant. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also got the advantage of this can go face. Uh, mm, so if your opponent's a four... Sacrifice a creature. Or, or sorry, any target. I misread that. I mis misread that. Yeah. Any yeah. target. That's fair. So it is kind so of like playing. Yeah. It, it, and it's like almost Lava Axe for two mana. Like, there's some interesting things here. Like, you attack in, your opponent uses a combat trick. You're like, oh, fine, heart fire. Kill your big thing. Like, I think it's got some flexibility. I think the first one I'm probably playing in most of my red decks I don't think I want to overload on it, and I don't think I want to take them super early. So that puts me at a C minus. Like if I don't get one, I'm all right, but I'd probably be cool having one. Yeah, I'm totally. You're right. I'm totally wrong about this one. I did. I missed the in response to removal. You know, plunk something. Um, which we saw. What did we see that with? There was something recently that did that as well. That instant speed. Obviously, it wasn't severed strands. That was sorcery speed. There were. A, there were. A, I, mean, I can't remember the card, but there was definitely a card. Oh, uh, final final payment. Yeah. Right, the mode, the mode where you sacrifice a creature, um, doing that in response to removal was a lot of fun. So, all right, all right. I think you're right on that one. Actually, it might even be better than a C-, but... I don't, I don't think I'm first picking it. I'll have to see no. the other common removal, right? But, like, I, I don't think I'm going nuts over it, but I want one. Okay. Honor the God Pharaoh is two in red for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, discard a card, draw two cards, amass one. It's Tormenting Voice with a 1-1 one, one zombie or a plus 1-plus one, plus 1 counter. Mm-hmm. Is that worth it? I mean, if you if you want card draw in red, this is what you get for card draw in red. Having it on 3 mana kind of sucks because, again, you can't keep an opening hand of, like, 2 lands. Well, I guess you will keep an opening hand. You will. But you'll feel a lot... You would feel a lot more comfortable if it was Tormenting Voice instead of Honor the God Pharaoh. Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess in a Spells Matter deck, too, like having a Divination or a Tormenting Voice, access to that is really good. I'm in I'm in on that. I think I'll probably put it at like a, like a C, C-, um, going up in value in the right deck. Yeah, I was going to go D+. This is this looks like a build-around for a Spells Matter deck. It's a way to get two spells in the graveyard or get, get out of a land, uh, have something to do with extra mana, as well as get a little, little bit of value there. So I, I think you'll play this where you would Tormenting Voice, 
uh, with the, the downside that you mentioned and the upside you mentioned. Yep. All right. Up next is Ilharg the Raised Boar. Three red red for a 6-6 six, six boar god. Trample. When it attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Return it to your hand at the beginning of the next instep. When it dies or is put into exile, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. I don't even care about putting the creature into play tapped and attacking. This thing is a 6-6 six, six trample for five that doesn't die. Well, I mean, it dies, but it comes back right away. Like, like this is just a stupid card. This is this is bomb level. And, you're, and the best part about this card is your opponent... The only way your opponent can deal with this is by obviously using a removal spell on it and then winning in the next three turns because it's just coming back anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. It, if you think through the ability line, it basically says uh, your best creature gains haste and trample or haste and vigilance this turn. Yeah. Sort of, right? Because when, when does it come back? Oh, it's at the beginning of the next instep. Okay, so you couldn't cast it, but you could hold one in your hand to force through extra damage, play something else. So yep. I guess your second best creature would basic sort of get... That's weird. The, the ability is certainly not bad, but five mana six six trample is already absurd. Especially in red. Yeah, like you, you normally see that on a flying creature, so I'm 100% in on this card. I think this cycle of card, I think they're all bomb level, like A cards for sure. Okay, yeah, this this is an A. Possibly yep. even an A+. Plus. Yep. Invading Manticore is 5 at a red for a 4-5. When it enters the battlefield, a mass 2. This is a common, but 6-drop. Um, I really like this card, I think. I think the the 6 power, 7 toughness spread over 2 bodies is huge. And I think at this point in the game, especially if you are, you know, you have a, a decent number of amass cards in your deck, you could be turning your your zombie army into a 4-4 or a 5-5 potentially, um, which effectively gives that amass to haste. Um, I, and and if on an empty board you play this down, it has potential to stabilize you because you have the, the threat of double block with this, and the 4-5 the body plus a 2-2 two, two is really good at double blocking. And even if they kill the 4-5, now you have a 2-2 two, two left around that can be used in another double block later or can get bigger if you have another amass card in your hand. So I think the floor on this card is obviously getting stuck in your hand and never hitting your six mana to, to play it. Um, but I think I, I think I would be pretty happy with one of these in, in my red-green or maybe my red-black deck. Yeah, that all adds up to still a C for me. And this is yes. people tease me on these, but it's like, this is a six-drop. I kind of don't care what my six-drop is. It'd be nice if it's an awesome one that wins the game, and this isn't that. But it, it's it's got a lot of good things going. It's just, am I going to get to cast it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll bring us to Jaya, Venerated Fire Mage. Four and a red for a five loyalty planeswalker. Static ability, if another red source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals that much damage plus one instead. Uh, minus two, Jaya deals two damage to any target, which would be three because of her ability. Nah, her ability's other. It is? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, doesn't that just make you feel terrible about this card? So it's five mana for two shocks? Yeah, and then maybe some extra damage through. Um, That's basically Firebolt. It's basically Firebolt. I mean, you're not wrong. It's cheaper. Um, I am not interested in this card as a first pick a lot of the time. I don't think it's a reason to be red. If I'm a heavy red deck, maybe I play one, right? And and maybe rely on that extra damage. Like, maybe it's a, it's a you play it down and win the game with her. Mm-hmm. Um, not like an overrun style effect, but certainly, like 
get some extra damage through. It I'm functionally just, says red creatures you control get plus one plus oh. I mean, yeah, which can be a decent amount of damage, right? It can be. Um, it's just her minus ability is so underwhelming. I'm going to, like, plunk her down at, like, a C, C minus, I think. I think, I think there's a lot of creatures and removal spells that I want ahead of her. Yeah, I think you're probably right. This is probably a C minus. That said, if you're heavy red with a lot of creatures, I could see this doing a lot of work. You, mm-hmm. you know, you you layer down, you two damage to get something out of the way, basically anthem your team and swing. That's that's a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Jaya's greeting is next. That's one in red for an instant three damage to target creature. Scry one. Never thought we'd see the day where we had an upgraded lightning strike, and here we are. Can't go face. No, but, and and that is a downside sometimes, but I think the scry one um, is worth it, to be honest. Yeah, me I'm, too. Like, this is definitely like a, like a C plus. Like, I want as many of these as I can get in my red deck. I gotta call this one a B minus. I think this is, sure. like, I see this, I'm like, I, I kind of want to be red. Do you want this one or the one that can hit Planeswalkers more? I don't care. You just want both? Yeah. Like, okay. as many as either one of them as I can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we've got Krinko, 10th Street Kingpin. Two and a red for a 1-2. When it attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Then create a number of 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens equal to Krinko's power. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, give a random creature plus one, plus one, and combat tricks. I think that, like, Krinko has the potential to get out of control in a lot of board states uh, early when you play him. So... You know, you play them on turn three. If your opponent maybe stumbles, you can just destroy them. And if you happen to have, uh, like, a combat trick, you play pre-combat or a way to get plus one, plus one counters on this and and or proliferate, um, you know, you could be attacking with a three or four power Krenko kind of a few turns in a row and just have an army of, of one ones. The only time it sucks is you play him down on, like, turn nine or ten and you can't attack with him. That's that's the floor on, on Krenko. So, um probably like a b minus b um i don't remember where i was taking like goblin goblin rabble master um but i think this is a pretty comparable card to that it is as long as you can attack and that's Mm -hmm. that's why i can't really go more than c plus on this i'll still pick it but you need to put it in a deck that's focused on attacking because the other place he sucks other than turn nine is when your opponent goes one two three and you don't have anything until three and it's krinko and he's trading with a one drop like that sucks um, and that, that's going to happen sometimes. So like C plus he'll edge into as good as Dave said, assuming you build a deck where you're going to be attacking every turn. Cause that'll make him great. Yeah. But if you jam this in a deck with three, like Jai's greetings, like this is a pretty good three drop on that, in that deck for sure. For keep sure. Your opponent's, keep your opponent's board clear and just go to town. Like you get yeah. two or three, two attacks with this guy unchecked and it's probably game over. Agree. Agree. Uh, Mizium Tank is next, which is one red red for a 3-2 Trample Vehicle, Crew 1. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it becomes an artifact creature and gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. This is a rare. All aboard the pain train! Let's go! It's back! Untethered Express! Oh, not quite. Not quite. I have dreams of having a deck with all of these and just chaining them together, but at rare, I'm never going to get to do that. Oh yeah, non-creature spell. That's interesting. Um, I I like this card to be honest. Like the crew cost is is cheap, and if you can get 
like the, the threat of activation on it, I think, if you're playing a deck that your opponent reads as having instants and sorceries, I think is 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 enough that that I that I like this card. Um and I like vehicles in general, so like it's not like it's not like a bomb. It's probably a little worse than Cranko, so I'm probably never gonna first pick it and somebody else will always pick it ahead of me. But if I get it in my seal pool, I'll be pretty happy with it. Like I think it's significantly better than Krenko. No, I think Krenko's better. It blocks better, and it's got built-in combat tricks. Like, I could crew it, attack, and you're like, fine, I'll block it with my 2-2, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, I'll kill your other guy, take two, eight your dude. Like, mm-hmm. it, there's a there's a lot of play with this card. Um, so if, if Krenko's yeah. a C plus, I think this is a B minus for me. Yeah, see, I I think I like Cranko more because Cranko can win the game on unchecked, right? Like Cranko has that I'm just gonna just gonna win this game because you stumble potential. Um, yeah, but you don't you don't get people with three drops, right? Like let's say he's a one mana O one with that ability. Yeah, he can absolutely do that. He's not. He's he's a three mana one two. I like that you just said you don't get people with three drops and Mizium Tank is a three drop. Got him. I, I'm not I'm not looking to run people over, right? Like yes, I, you are. It, it's a tank that has trample. Well, okay, I guess I am looking to run people over. But, like, a, a, a creature that makes my removal spells better or my combat tricks, like, even better, like, seems pretty good to me. Not to mention, yeah. I could play it and block with it, um, which I, I don't think Krenko can really ever do. All right, I'm on Team Krenko, because Krenko also is, makes your removal spells better. So All right, I think, I'm I think, on Team Tank. I think, we, I think we're arguing the same thing here, just uh, half grade off on each, so. Yeah, we'll put Krenko in the tank, and then we've got something. Mm, not bad. Nahiri's Stone Blades is one in a red for an instant up to two target creatures. Each get plus two plus O oh until end of turn. Oh, I'm so glad this doesn't have first strike because you would never be able to win <laughs> in this format ever if this thing had first strike. Yep. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a combat trick that doesn't pump, pump, pump toughness and doesn't give you any survivability. I generally don't like that. If you're playing an instant, like, if you're playing the deck where instants... Like, this goes really well with a Mizium tank, I think. Sure. I think. Because you can get that... Like, it's a lot of extra damage through. Like, you're getting damage on this, on the tank because of the trample. Plus two, plus zero on something else that's unblocked, and you're getting that extra damage through. It's it's functionally more like a lightning strike to the face than it is for removing your opponent's creatures. Like, you're going to three for two a lot of your... Like, a lot of the times. Um... If if you try to use it like removal, and that's not something you want to be doing, so it's more like target opponent takes four damage for two mana. Yeah, think think of it as like a weird lava axe that takes a lot of work and a lot of setup, but could be good if you have trample or first strike on your creatures or something else. For me, all of that adds up to a D minus. I'm very rarely going to play this, but I will lose to it some. Yeah, no, I'm down in the D territory as well. Uh, that'll bring us to Neheb Dreadboard Champion. Two red red for a 5-4 trample. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, you may discard any number of cards. If you do, draw that many cards and add that much red mana to your pool. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Yeah, not quite a bomb level, because it it doesn't win the game on its own, but it's certainly in the B range, I'm going to say. If you get two cards off of this one, and it should be very easy to get damage through because it does have trample... Um, I, th- I think it, it. I think it's pulled its weight for sure. Yeah, I mean he 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 does it all. Like let's let's not forget that this is a four mana five four with border 
Borderland Minotaur is my favorite magic card, and this is just like a very upgraded Minotaur. It is a zombie Minotaur warrior, so obviously it's going to be better. Uh, this is at least a B for me. It's just too efficient not to be a B. Mm-hmm. That'll bring us to Raging Kronk. Two and a red for a 4-3. Can't attack alone. Is it Kronk or Crunch? I hope crunch. it's Crunch, because I want Captain Crunch. All right, it's Crunch now. <laughs> All right, cool. Um... I'm trying to think of the what was the Mog Flunkies the three three for three or was it three three for two that couldn't attack or block alone? Yes, but that had an extra word that this one doesn't. What did that one have? Can't attack or block alone. This one doesn't oh, say oh, that. This can just this can block. Oh, then I'm in on this card for sure. Yeah, like like it. The four power should trade with most most things that are relevant. Um, and on attacks, that's pretty threatening on turn three. So if you go two drop, three drop, and this is your three drop. Um, or you go three drop, four drop into haste. Like that's that's pretty good combo. Yeah, the fact that it can block changes everything. This card looks mm-hmm. fantastic to me. Uh, this is at least a C plus. We've already seen a few sh- shenanigans with like four power. Well, mm-hmm. we we got it for three mana. Like I'm all about this. Again, the Borderland Minotaur guy is excited about the four three. Go figure. But yeah, this is C plus. Yeah, if you have any of those four powers matters, this is your bread and butter common. Mm-hmm. 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 Next up is Samet Sprint. Red for an instant target creature gets plus two, plus one, and gains haste until end of turn. And scry one. Yeah. And it's, it's, again, I mean, it's better than the plus two, plus zero to two creatures for sure. But the fact that it is only plus one on the, on the toughness kind of makes me hesitant. If I'm going to want combat tricks in my red, white deck, like probably, so I'm probably going to play one of these sometimes, but I'd much rather plus two, plus two, or like, you know... Plus three, plus three. Or plus three, plus three, or give something flying, right? So it's not my favorite combat trick. I wish it was plus two, plus zero in first strike, scry one. Like, then yeah. it'd, be, it'd be super solid. So this is probably like in the D territory, but I'll probably play one in my red-white deck. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Okay. Uh, Sarkin the Masterless is three red-red for a five loyalty Planeswalker Sarkin. Whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. Plus one until end of turn, each Planeswalker you control becomes a 4-4 red dragon creature and gains flying. Minus three, create a 4-4 red dragon creature token with flying. I kind of really like this card uh, for that rare Planeswalker spot. I'm not really sure where to grade it. Like, it's not quite an A. It's probably like a B+. Yeah, um, because it's it's five mana make a four four dragon, which mm-hmm. is is pretty good, right? It's Sarah Angel basically, um, but then when it's left unchecked, like the next turn you're attacking for eight in the yeah, game. and then the next turn you're attacking for eight again, and the game is over. So your opponent does have to deal with this. Um, so you should be able to get like a good two for one out of this one, right? You made your dragon, and your opponent uses a removal spell or throws away a creature to get it to get it Sarkin. So I think it's probably in that B plus range. Um, easy to deal with, as Planeswalkers are a lot of the time. Um, so not quite A-level, but I'm, I'm sold on this card. Definitely per- first picking this one. Yeah, and you know, again, easy to deal with, but the fact that it's like y- you get a 5-mana 4-4 four, four flyer, I think this might be an A-minus. I'm more interested in this than I was in the Chandra. Like, I get a 5-mana 4-4 four, four flyer, kill that, and deal with this. Because if you don't, I'm still going to hit you in the face. Like, the play pattern could be make a 4-4, four, four, they kill it, Hit him in the face, then make another four four. You know, proliferate, make another four four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
So like this looks pretty dang good to me. I mean, the, the floor is just the five mana four four. So that's yeah, that's around the B plus. But I could definitely see it being a little higher. All right, we got Lava Axe, sort of. Uh, Sarkin's Catharsis is four and a red for an instant. Five damage to target player or planeswalker. Man, this is so much better than Lava Axe. Yeah. It, the instant speed, it's not just player or planeswalker, it's the instant speed that puts it over the top for me, I think. Because now and, you can decide, end of turn, do I kill the planeswalker or do I have a way to win the game by going face with this? Yeah. I, I still don't think that makes it amazing. Nope. Um, but it's and, it's way better than Lava Axe was. Yeah, Lava Axe could always do that in most of the sets it was in. Kill a Planeswalker if you needed it to. The 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 other thing here is like there's a lot of Planeswalkers, and some of them you're going to want to kill. Um, but bear in mind, if you're using a spell to deal with a, a Planeswalker instead of your creatures, they already got whatever effect they got from minusing it or plusing it the turn they played it. So just the fact that you can kill most of the Planeswalkers with this doesn't make the card amazing. I think that still puts us in the D-level range because there's decks that will be able to maximize this, but probably not something I'm super excited about. I think this will shift a little bit. I think I think I want one of these most of the time. Um, and, and hear me out here. So Ryan Sachs uh, wrote an article the other day about Planeswalkers and Limited, like in this set specifically, and how it's going to kind of shift your life total. I highly recommend it's on Star City Games' website. Um, but the gist of it is, is that your opponents are going to be at a significantly higher life total than 20 a lot of the time, because you are, you're going to be attacking planeswalkers, right? They're going to gain life off of their planeswalkers effectively. So, you know, either you point this at your planeswalker, the planeswalker you point at the face, and it generally has the same effect, right? They're, you know, you're, you're, you're knocking down their life total both ways, but this has the upside of being able to reach out and touch a planeswalker that you can't get through a board stall. And I think that's why I like this card. So I think maybe out of the board, or maybe like a one of in the main deck in a lot of my red decks, and I think I'd be probably pretty happy with that. So I'm going to go a little higher than a D. Would you say D plus, D minus, D? D. It's probably a C minus for me. Okay. We'll see where that one shakes out. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, spell Gorger Weird is two in red for a 2 2. Whenever you cast a non creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Spell Gorger Weird. I think if I could always make this a 3-3, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. So if I had six or seven instants or sorceries and I needed a 3-drop, this is, I think, a really good 3-drop for that deck. I don't know, man. I want Conch. Oh, sorry. You're right. Conch is better. Captain Crunch is way better. Um, But in the blue-red deck, this is probably better in the long run. Yeah, over time. It's probably over a C minus. I gotta sure. do a little work. It doesn't block well the first turn, but then I can get my Centaur Courser with upside. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at with it. Alright. How about Tybalt? Rakish Instigator. Two and a red for a five loyalty planeswalker. Your opponents can't gain life. Minus two, create a one one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. Uh, this sets the record for the best Tybalt in any limited format that I've ever played. I would agree here. <laughs> I actually haven't played Tybalt in a limited format, so um, no one has. Yeah, it's um, it's not exciting. It's fine. Um, I do like the the devil creature tokens quite a bit, but the fact that you have to wait two turns to get two of them for your three mana, I think, is a real knock on this card. So, um, I'm probably never really drafting this highly enough to ever get to play it. So, it's definitely in like that C minus range for me. I think. 
I think it's actually a C plus um, because he's he's kind of making me uh, good blockers to protect my other planeswalkers, things that will trade for two twos, and if I have to, things that will get that last point of damage through to a planeswalker. You got a planeswalker at one, and I send a devil token at it. It doesn't matter what happens; it's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's a lot of flexibility. Um, and I would put him in, I think, every red deck that I would play. I agree some people will probably overvalue it because it's a Planeswalker, but some people will undervalue it because it's Tybalt, and I, I actually don't think he's that bad. That's fair. All of that is fair. All right, that brings us to Tybalt's Rager, one in red for a 1-2. When it dies, it deals one damage to any target. You can spend one in red to give it plus two, plus O oh until end of turn. It's functionally a 2-2 two, two with the, the fire breathing. Yeah, it, unless you're trying to attack with it. Right, and then your opponent just either doesn't block it or blocks it with a 2-3 or whatever, right? So um, it falls off a little later in the game, but then the the mana sink ability, like being able to pump you know, once or twice to trade with something, this this should always trade with something on the other side of the table unless you're choked on mana. Yeah, I think that actually makes it fine. I was ready to come down on this card until I really understood what that one damage does, and it's it, it blocks pretty well. So something blocks pretty well and is decent on attacking. I'm happy with it. It's just you've got to put some mana into it for that attack to actually matter. Yeah, it's like a it's like a a red death touch creature, sort it's, of. It's sort of right where you got to dump some mana into it though. So it's probably like a like a fine seat. Like this is probably the two drop that I want as opposed to like the two mana two two or the two mana one three. I probably want this a lot more than I want those. Yeah, and at uncommon, I guess it should be. So that probably bumps it to a C plus. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to take it to be red, but if I'm already red, I'm going to take it. All right, and I think we have my favorite card of the set, Turret Ogre. Three and a red for a 4-3 Reach. When it enters the battlefield, if you control another creature with power four or greater, it deals two damage to each opponent. Hits your Borderland Minotaur easier to cast with upside? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the real upside of this card, I think, is the reach. Like, being able to protect your Planeswalkers against Flyers, I think, is going to be pretty important. The real upside of this is it's just, what like, the, why do I like Borderland Minotaur so much? Put it on the Quadrant Test. Is it good on turn four? Yep. Is it good when you're ahead? Sure. Is it good when you're behind? Yeah. Does it do something when you draw it later? Yeah. Like, this guy's just fine everywhere. And, like, maybe it'll just damage people if I've got some other critters. Like, I want to go Captain Crunch into this hit you for two and then next turn like i'm attacking for eight smash for eight yeah yeah sold so this is Mm -hmm. this is first one's a c plus to me i'm overrating it don't at me (laughs) that's fair i'm gonna give it a c ish yeah we're splitting hairs on that one it doesn't matter yeah probably fair all right on to green on to green all right the the arbor arboreal grazer is the growth spiral of the set. I think we need to figure out a nickname for it. A single green for an O3 with reach. When it enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. I'm Manisloth. thinking of it. I'm thinking Himanisloth. I'm thinking of a noise. Let's see if you agree with me. Is it? Yeah, that's that's precisely it. Yeah, so the thing that growth spiral did that this didn't was draw a card, and mm-hmm. I'm exchanging that for an O3? No thanks. No thanks, will- not interested. It- I, I, I see what they did there. It will protect a Planeswalker. You can block with it. But creatures with zero power aren't typically great blockers. So that puts this as a D for me. Like, you can put it in your deck, but it ain't looking good. Agreed. Uh, this is the front runner, I think, for my favorite uncommon Planeswalker in the set. So I'm going to kind of uh, 
I'm going to seed the rating here for you. Arlen, Voice of the Pack, four green green for a seven loyalty planeswalker at Uncommon. Each wolf creature you control that's a wolf or werewolf enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Of note, there is one wolf creature in this set. Uh, minus two, create a 2-2 two, two green wolf creature token, which is actually coming in as a 3-3, three, three, a 2-2 two, two with a plus one, plus one counter on it, all of which are relevant. And you can proliferate off of it. So mm-hmm. for six mana, I'm going to get two, four, six. I'm going to get six three threes over no. three turns. A three three threes over three turns. Three three threes over three turns. Okay. Assuming I mean, that seems protect her. Yeah, it seems pretty good. Like the three three is going to do a decent job at protecting her. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I'm uh, the reason I'm most interested in her is because it's in the proliferate colors. Like green is there's a lot of plus one plus one and proliferate. Uh, green, blue, green, white, I think, are the combos there that you're looking to do. Um, and that late in the game, it should be pretty easy to protect her, I think. Yeah, that looks pretty good to me. I'd say this is probably a B. I think I'm in and around there, too. Um, it's probably not going to be the best one, but it's certainly my favorite one. Yeah, it, it like, at issue is, it, it. I'm used to Planeswalkers that have a kill-a-thing mode and a plus to make creatures mode, and that's not what she does. Mm-hmm. She's just She's just making you some wolves, and then maybe you can proliferate and make another one, which is cool. Uh, but like, if you can get it to be you know six mana four three threes, I'd play that all day. Agreed. And any kind of prolif- proliferate, and your wolves become four fours, which I think is really good. Yeah. Uh, Arlen's wolf. Coincidentally, this is the wolf in the format. Two and a green for a three two, and it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. That's a nice little card. I think it's a nice little three drop, right? Yeah, I'm usually happy with three twos with flavor text. Uh, in in most sets, and lately we've been getting them with a little bit better text than that. And this is one that like they have to trade a real creature for if they want to tangle with it in combat. Now the the downside is like they could have a three four, and obviously it's a little worse there. But what do you expect for your three drop? It's not going to scale that well. Yeah, um, I mean it trades really well with the X threes, like the four threes that we've been seeing. Yeah, I think this is doing a lot here, so I'm going to put this at uh, probably a C, but one that I'm happy about. Agreed, and it's definitely build around with Arlen. You take every single one of these. <laughs> Not quite, but they're, they're, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm in that C range for sure. C drop, or C drops. Three drops are generally in that range for me. Uh, next one is my first rare. Awaking of V2 Gazi. Three green green for an instant. It's a little weird and green here. Put nine plus one plus one counters on target land you control. It becomes a legendary zero zero elemental creature with haste. It is still a land. It doesn't... It doesn't disappear until at end of turn. It's instant speed. Think of all the things you can do with this. That's nine plus one plus one counters. So this is basically a six mana sacrifice a land, sort of, and you've got a flash nine nine. It's six mana flash nine nine. Or five mana flash nine nine kill you next turn, because you didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's an A minus. At least. Raise, raise your hands if you're going to lose to this uh, when your opponent is green-white and has a Pegasus. Oh, but my hand's up too. Yep. Yeah, this this is this is a great card. Um, I'm so happy that it's instant instead of sorcery. Like, sorcery, you're written, rarely playing this card, I think. Maybe, maybe nah, sometimes. No, you can still play like, it. 9-9 nine, nine haste, I'm playing that. Yeah, I guess you're right. So 6 mana, 9 damage. Yeah. The only saving grace for your opponent is that it doesn't have trample. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it kind of does because it's got that surprise factor, man. This, this thing's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying, and it's rare. Like, I'm going to lose to this so many times. Yeah. Thank God for best of three. 
All right, next one. Band together, two and a green for an instant. Up to two target creatures you control each deal damage equal to their power to another target creature. Double fight. Double fight. Double punch, actually. Double punch. Yes, not even a fight. Double punch. We had a Nissus card like this before in a previous set, and it was very good. Um, So I I think we're looking at a a B-level removal spell for green. The fact that it's instant speed gives you a lot of room to wiggle, and the fact that it's two creatures means that you're not necessarily going to get blown out by a removal spell in response. Although, be aware, people can still do that, right? So, like, if I've got two 4-4s and I'm fighting your 4-4, you're probably not going to be able to stop me. But if I'm doing that with a pair of 2-2s, you may be able to interact. Uh, So just be aware how that works. But this looks like a very solid removal spell for green. Yeah. There's no downside to selecting two targets on your side of the battlefield. So always select two targets on your side of the battlefield. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Because in that scenario that described, if I have two 4-4s and I'm fighting a 4-4 and I get lazy and I just do the one 4-4, my opponent can actually kill it in response. So yeah, always select the maximum if there's no downside to it. All right, next up, uh, Bloom Hulk. Man, this this common the, the power level and the commons are insane in this set. Three and a green for a four four elemental plant elemental. When it enters the battlefield, p- proliferate. So high pa- th- This is a conversation for when we're diving deeper. But high power level commons have me excited because we're all going to have powerful decks, and also have me sad because if you stumble, you're going to die. But I'm going to go out on an early predictor and say this is an eighteen land format, and we'll talk about that again later in the not too distant future. Uh, this is obviously absurd. Like, this is a B-minus level common. It's a 4-mana four 4-4. Four, four. It attacks, it blocks, and if you happen to have Planeswalkers and draw it later, or you have some counters on stuff, it does something. Even if it didn't, 4-mana four 4-4 four, four vanilla, I'm obviously in. I'm probably overrating it because of my love for Borderland Minotaur, but fight me. It, it's the... It's the... It's good at all... It's good in all game states. The only time it sucks is when you're about to lose the game and you have an empty board. And yeah. even then, like what are you going to like there's not a lot of cards that are going to save you at that point so it like if this was like a four mana two two you know i could see that even being a card at common i'm surprised it's a four four when i looked at it i'm like did i get something wrong with this card like the floor on this card is great uh, i love four mana four fours so yeah sold yeah i'm probably in that b range uh, i would say as well Bond of Flourishing is next. One and a green for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card from among them and put the rest, or put it in your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Gain three life. So it's a permanent uh, land creature, enchantment, all that stuff. I don't normally like cards like this. Like three life is nice. It's possible to whiff. Mm. It's super unlikely that it's going to whiff. I understand that. It will help you find something you're interested in. Maybe it matters that they're in your graveyard. No, they go to the bottom of your library. They go to the bottom, bottom of your library. So the only way it whiffs is if you have a bunch of instants and sorceries in your green-blue deck, I guess. Yeah, so it's, it's super unlikely to whiff, although it, it is technically possible that your top three cards are your three removal spells. But, like, I, I just don't like... Like, th- this is the green opt. Like, if you want it opt in your green deck, this is kind of fine... You could sort of cheese it and play 16 lands if you wanted to and then play this. So, like, maybe it's a land you have to pay two mana for, but it could be something else later in the game. And, like, that's not terrible, but at Uncommon, I'm never going to pick this high enough to see it. This is a D. I think that's fair. I think this really helps you play, uh, feel like you're playing 18 lands in the format when you're only playing 17. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Right? So, like... 
and and that might be something that's interesting, but I'm never going to pick it highly. Like it's it's probably better than a D, but it's probably not better enough than a D that I'm interested in it. So it'll be good and sealed. Yeah, for sure. Right. If you, if you can get away with playing 17 lands and sealed plus this, I think you'd be very happy. Yeah, but then okay. one of my uncommons was this. Like, I'm not playing green for it, but I'm going to put it in my sealed deck if I'm green. Yeah, I agree. All right, Centaur Nurturer. Three and a green for a 2-4. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you gain three life. And it's a mana dork. Tap to one, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So I, I think I dig this. I think I'm going to put it at a C plus because obviously I'd rather have a four mana 4-4 four, four in like most decks. But I think what this is enabling us to do in a format without much mana fixing is splash something in our green deck. So if we've got a really good black removal spell or a really good expensive spell uh, or Planeswalker, for example, from another color, you know, one of these, two of these in a basic, and all of a sudden I can put that in my deck. So I'm interested in this. The 2-4 is always a solid blocker. Gaining three life is certainly not a bad thing. Um, It's possible that you could do a green deck with four of these and just splash all the Planeswalkers. Like, it sort of reminds me of the Oasis Druid from Hour of Devastation. So, like, I'm excited about it, uh, but we'll have to see exactly how deep we can go. Definitely. Green is going to be the color for for going deep, I would say, for sure. Um, I I haven't done the number crunching to see how relevant the 2-4 is, but it's usually pretty relevant as a blocker. Um, there's a lot of things that the only thing it doesn't block are like the four threes, which we've seen a few of so far, but it kind of depends on how the other colors shake down. So it's not what I'm looking for. If I'm ramping, it's more what I'm looking for, for I'm fixing. So, um, like probably in that like C plus range, I would say, um, you know, it's green. I'm probably going to be able to get these, especially a common. So, yeah. All right. Challenger troll four and a green for a six, five. Hello. Uh, each creature you control with power four or greater can't be blocked by more than one creature. This makes combat a nightmare for your opponent if you have enough of the uh, four power creatures. And you do because you just played this, mm-hmm. right? Like Rubble Pelt Raider from the last set was pretty dang good. With, and it was this with a drawback at common instead of an upside. So like pump it higher, like Raider probably ended up being a C plus. So this has got to be a B minus like four mana for a six, five. That's ridiculous. It is pretty ridiculous. And the fact that you can play it down, I think, and probably make like make combat really difficult for your opponent right away if you have a couple of four threes. Like if, if you're playing red green and you go uh Captain Crunch into the the four mana four three hate or uh, reach into this guy. They just took damage, can't block, and they're dying. Yeah, it's kinda ridiculous, right? Yeah, I'm all about a challenge control. Let's do it. So like is that like a B minus? Yeah, it's a B minus. Yeah, I'm in on that one. I see this. I want to be green. Courage in Crisis. Two and a green for a sorcery. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Then proliferate. So this is not how I want to proliferate. No. Right? Because it's it's making me spend two cards to get this effect. Um, If they kill the creature, I don't even get to proliferate, do I, the way this is worded? Uh, Then proliferate. You know, I'm not sure, actually. Put a plus one, plus one counter on... Is is the then prolifer, proliferate dependent on the plus one, plus one counter on target creature? I think it is. Because well, if it I, was pr- proliferate, it would be a separate sentence, like draw a card is separately, right? Yeah. No? I, I, it, it, even, even if it's not, the fact that I have a four mana, four, four with proliferate at common, and then this at common is like, dude, do the math. 
Like, I, I don't want to play this. I know proliferate is cool. I know you want to put counters on your planeswalkers. But trust me, if you will just pick the four mana four four over this, you're going to be way happier with it. Because it's like, you, like, what are you supposed to do? Two drop, cast this, and then you've got a four mana four four and you proliferated, but you didn't put any counters on anything because you don't have any yet. So, like, play the yeah. four mana four four. Don't in, play in this. A world, this is a D. In a world where my opponents are getting zombie army tokens for, like, basically free or cheap attached to their cards, like, I can't spend a, a card on, on this, so... Yeah, I want I want my proliferate to be incidental, not extra. Speaking of proliferate, that's incidental. Evolution Sage, two and a green for a three-two. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, proliferate. I got a landfall card. That's kind of cool. I like that we're seeing things from all the different kind of planes in the recent sets. Like we have four power matters from Khan's uh, block. We have landfall from the the shadows block. It, this is pretty cool. I like this. Yeah, well, let, that was Zendikar, but yeah, I hear you, oh, Zendikar, sorry, Zendikar. I mean, it's hard to argue with this. It's a solid body with upside. Uh, that makes it a, a C-plus for me. Obviously, it'll get better the more counter shenanigans you have, but I, I'm guessing you want to do this attack with Krinko and then put another counter on him? Uh, no, I want to play this, have some kind of incidental plus one, plus one counters from somewhere, and then just grow everything with proliferate or have a planeswalker and grow it every time I put a land into play. Like, I think this has way more upside than a C plus to be honest. Well, I mean, let's say it's a three, four. Yeah. But like, it's a very fragile body and like, it's not going to do much attacking and blocking. If you're looking to grow your stuff, you, you wouldn't play the effect without the body. So I, I think it's a C plus for me. It's, it's a solid three drop with upside. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm a little higher. I'm definitely in the B minus range. I would say I'm. This is probably a card that I'm going to first pick and start to look to build a proliferate deck around. All right, let's see how that works out. Agreed. All right, finale of devastation. X green green. This is another in our finale cycle here. Sorcery at mythic. Search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search this library, your library this way, shuffle it, blah, blah, blah. If X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X plus X and gain haste until end of turn. So this is add two mana cost to my best creature that's in my library or my graveyard. Mm-hmm. And I can just search it up. Mm-hmm. And it's 12 mana win the game. Yes, very much 12 mana win the game. I can see that being sort of playable if I've got some two fours that are ramping me going around. Mm-hmm. There are oh, there's also a two one that ramps you as well, and New Horizons at, at the three drop putting it on your land. Yeah, I think I could go for this. Like it, it, Green Sun Zenith was very good because I could use it on two mana to go get a mana dork if that's what I needed. Uh, I can't do that with this, um, but it can do a lot of the other things. And like the more utility creatures I have, the better. Like six mana four four proliferate could be a pretty big deal on some boards too. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think I kind of like this. Just realize you're going to be overpaying for the creature every time, and very few games of Magic go to 12 mana. Now, ones where both players start at 30 are far more likely to, which Ryan's article kind of pointed to, like, thinking that mindset. Uh, But I I don't think it's by any means guaranteed. So I think that probably lands me at, like, a a B-minus for this. Yeah, I don't think it's quite, like unbeatable bomb level but you certainly can get a lot of value out of this and obviously if your deck is loaded with good value creatures um you're okay trading them off early because you know you can buy them back with this yeah sold all right 
Forced landing, one and a green for an instant. Put target creature with flying on the bottom of its owner's library. I didn't do a, a flyer count in this set yet. Yeah, we'll have to check. We didn't see any, like, super good flyers in red, and usually Plummet's main deckable when red has flyers, because Esper colors are going to, green's not, and you kind of don't want to be, like, dead against a green-red deck. Uh, so it's probably a sideboard card, probably a D in your main deck. Agreed. Oh, giant growth. Man, <coughs> how long has it been since we had giant growth? It's been a little while. A single green for an instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. The OG combat trick. Where do you put this on the uh, lightning strike scale of relativity? I mean, it's a combat trick. It's the best one that we've ever seen, uh, but it's still a combat trick. That makes the first copy a C plus, the next copy a C minus, and you don't want three. Hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think I would probably play... I guess maybe I wouldn't play three. No, you wouldn't. Know. Really? Mm. Yeah. I've, I, how many formats have you played where Giant Growth was legal? I'm trying to think of if I ever have. I guess one of like the M14-ish sets, maybe? I've I only played a, it once. a lot of sets where Giant Growth was legal. It was in one of the Ravnica sets, too. Um, and the, the thing is, like, you generally don't want more than two combat tricks in your deck. Like, if you end up with three, sure, it's fine, but you're playing three combat tricks. Yeah, you probably did something wrong along the way. Yeah. So, so. The, the, the first one's exciting. Like, take it over a mediocre creature. But if you've got, like, the four mana 4-4 four, four in this, like, don't think about giant growth. It's it's really good. It, but most of what it does is say, if your creatures are in combat and they don't have instant speed removal, you win the combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking, like, I, I don't know. Maybe I like combat tricks more than the average person. That's probably where, where we differ on that one. That's fair. Okay. God Eternal Ronus. The gods are back and they're angry. Three green green for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature zombie god. With So it has death touch. And when it enters the battlefield, double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. And then when it dies, it gets tucked into your library third from the top, similar to the boar that we saw in red. This is ridiculous. This is just an A. Like 5 mana 5-5 five, five, death touch make your team attack when it couldn't before it's it's ridiculous this whole cycle is ridiculous it's just bonkers yeah that's a bomb pick it play it win the game i can't even i can't even fathom how to deal with these cards um i'm with you on that one like it definitely a but like i can't fathom how to deal with these cards the only thing that i've seen so far um in my like scanning is the blue enchantment that turns into a one one with no abilities like and then they can just block with it you can't exile it you can't like whatever i guess if it has no abilities it would lose the dies effect on it okay okay so, so that would actually stop it but like there's just there's no, like there's no pacifism like the 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 white version of of o-ring exiles obviously so there's just like yeah it's, there's a naturalized variant that can nab it if you can kill it uh do, i i'd have to check the rulings on this one i'm not sure that it actually goes into the graveyard. Okay. I, so when it dies, I guess it would or have is to. put into exile, like it has to go there for a second. Well, maybe not. Yeah, we'll have to get a judge I, on that. I, I have to check the rulings on that one because when it dies, like, does it go to the graveyard and then the effect goes on the stack? Yeah. Right? Or does it? Does, does the effect happen before it goes to the graveyard? I guess, I I don't know. Like, I'm not, uh, I'm not a judge on that one. I rely on Magic Arena and Magic Online to tell me what I'm doing. Yeah, um, same. That's... 
that's certainly one of the rulings that I will be checking before I go to my pre-release is can I exile it from the graveyard with the naturalized card? Uh, is this Yang? Yang? Yang Yu? Or is it Jang? I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. Uh, Wildcrafter is a planeswalker. Two and a green for the legendary planeswalker. Three loyalty. Each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it has tap, add one mana of any color, and minus one to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So this kind of reminds me of the Sapperling Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's probably a little bit worse than that because you don't get that big Vigilance Indestructible turn. And then it's a little bit better than that because like anytime you can proliferate, you're proliferating this guy plus the creatures that he's put the counters on and you've got tons of mana. So like I, I can see what this does, but it looks more like utility than attacks, blocks, you know, static effect that matters, which kind of makes this feel like a C to me. Like, you yep. can take it if you're looking to buff your other creatures. It, it kind of does everything that sorcery we saw earlier wanted to do, uh, but I, I think does it better. Um, just because, like, you can use the creatures for mana, uh, and then Proliferate's going to, like, buff the creatures as well as buff this. Like, this whole deck seems to revolve around a 4-mana four 4-4 four four to me, which is a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dream is to play this with the Landfall prolifer- Proliferate. And be able to just play infinite one 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 counters uh, over my next nine or ten turns, however many lands I have in my hand. That is a lovely dream. I hope you get there. Hey, they're two uncommons, man. It can't be that hard. It's not quite magical Christmas land. I think this suffers from like you're probably not going to be able to make use of the ramp ability, but you might be able to make use of it as a color fixer. Yeah, that's fair too. Right. So I don't know. I'm not protecting this one. I'm like I'm not like throwing. My, my pooches, my my wolves in front of this guy to protect him most of the time. I'm looking to get, like, my couple of plus one, plus one counters and then hopefully get a pl- proliferate off of them at some point. So it's... You're going to have to jump through a lot of hoops, I think, to get really good value out of this guy. So I'm with you on the C. Maybe even, like, a C-. Um, goes, in a, goes in a very specific deck, I think. But not taking him because I want to... Like, taking him if I'm already in that pro- proliferate deck, probably not taking him to go into that deck. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right, Crawl Stinger is two and a green for a 2-2 Death Touch. Noxious Grudian in green. Yeah, I didn't like the Grudian that much. I probably don't like this, this that much either. Um, like, for me, that was always a bit of a C-. minus. Now, mm. it gets a little bit better here because I can attack a Planeswalker, and it's like, I, I'm a trade for something. Um, but again, if it's a 2-mana two 2-2 two Death Touch, I'm super interested. If it's a 3-mana three 3-2 three Death Touch, or even a 2-3, we can probably talk. Um, but like... Just that stat line is so unimpressive without the death touch. So like you can play it, and I'll probably put one in a lot of my decks. But we've we've seen three mana two two death touches. We know how these play. The only question does it matter in a world with planeswalkers? And I don't think it does that much. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, daggerback basilisk. I guess cards like that. Like I've always played those. I'm just never excited about them. And they'll usually trade for something relevant. So you know, it is what it is. It's pretty average. Um, C plus or sorry, C C minus somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, the Crunch Wrangler, the Captain Crunch Wrangler, wanted a green for a 2 1 with Trample? Question mark. Whenever a creature with power 4 or greater enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on this, and it's a common. Okay, so I go this into the 4 3 attack for 3. Mm-hmm. Into the other 4 3, you take 2 attack for 8. Yes, pretty much. 
Okay, I'm putting together the dream, but like this is a C. It's a two mana two two that's got some upside. Uh, if your yep. opponent wants to trade with it, they'll be able to. If they can't trade with it, you're winning because their mana screwed, not because the Wrangler's amazing. Um, but this this is a solid two drop. I, I like that it's a way to get a plus one plus one counter on something and get some value out of your pr- proliferate. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's an early option for a plus one plus one counter, pretty 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 consistently in the red green deck. So I think that's why I'm interested in it. But you're right, it's not much better than a than a C minus. Uh, Mawu Loyal Companion is three and a green for a three three legendary creature with Trample and Vigilance. And if you would put one or more plus one plus one counters on this, you may you may that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it instead. So you put an extra plus one plus one counter on it instead. Say that three times quickly. So how is it getting the counter? Uh, there's a few things in in the set that put plus one plus one counters on things let me just check to see if i have those numbers i don't have those numbers uh new horizons uh there's a two drop that comes into play and puts a plus one plus one counter on things um there is the there's an artifact that does it there's the red creature with haste that can do it there's not a ton there's the planeswalker we just saw all of those things are things you would play out before this which is kind of weird like i'm looking at Mm -hmm. hill giant and then thinking, what do I have to do to enable it? And it's mostly play something weirdly off-curve uh, in order for that to happen. And then my payoff is a 4-mana 5-5, five, five, which is certainly not bad. Uh, but green's got 5-mana 6-5s at Uncommon. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, like, looking at this in, like, D+, plus C-, minus. show me what you got. I think the value goes way up if you have a bunch of those two drops. Because if you can make this a five-five trample vigilance, I think that's pretty good value. Yeah, okay, I'm with you there. So but, like that that two drop is fine, but like it's probably but, a C then. Yeah, so it doesn't go that high in value. So I'm probably in that like C minus D plus range. Like it is a trample vigilance is pretty relevant. It's just the three three is not quite relevant at four mana. Yeah, it's almost enough. Almost just on the edge. All right, New Horizons is two and a green for the Enchantment Aura. Enchant your land. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on target dog you control. Sorry, target creature you control. Uh, and when you tap that land, you add two mana of any one color. Yeah, we've seen this card before. Um, you want to play it on three to put it in your ramp deck, but you want to play a creature on two. Uh, so it, 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 you also kind of need to be taking advantage of the fixing. So for me, I've played it in the past when I was playing a deck that had two drops because I really wanted to get that value that was splashing and ramping. If you are doing those three things, then this is an excellent card for you to take like sixth or seventh, mm-hmm. um, which all breaks down to a C. Uh, yeah, I, I agree for sure. I'm with you on that one. Um, which you, I guess the plus one plus one counter is relevant in this format, but uh, we've seen the three light version of this as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, they go in slightly different decks, like you mentioned the two drops. So. Next is a Planeswalker at Rare, Nissa, who shakes the world. I love that name. Three green green for a five loyalty Nissa. Whenever you tap a forest for mana, add an additional green. That's interesting. Uh, her plus one is put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature land you control. Untap it. It becomes a creature until end of turn. Has vigilance and haste. Still a land. And then minus eight. Wow, there's a lot of text on this. You get an emblem with lands you control have indestructible. Search your library for any number of forest cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. I mean, her plus one isn't until end of turn is the only thing there. Like, it's just turning your lands into three threes. 
Yeah, and you can't stack the plus one plus one counters on it because it has to target a non-creature land you control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But giving it vigilance is interesting because you can attack with it, and if they don't kill it, do something with the mana, and you'll have plenty of mana. So like, it's okay to cash in some of your lands because she lets you tap for more. This this looks pretty good. It seems like Arlen, but better. So if Arlen was a mm-hmm. B, this is probably a, a B plus, maybe an A minus. So the interesting thing about Nissa is the discount you can get off of her. So you have to cast her for five, but you're going to untap the land on your plus one, and it taps for an additional green if it's a forest. So you can be potentially double spelling on turn five or six with her quite reliably. Yeah, or, or just, you know, make a 3-3 three, three to block or, and or protect make the Planeswalker you just cast, you know? So, like, that can work too. So I, th- I think that is a lot of flexibility um, with, with her as well. So I think the upside is, is there. Um, yeah, it's probably not quite A-minus. Like, it, does, it doesn't feel like she'll win the game right away, but left unchecked. Like, if you turn your entire army or your entire land base into 3-3s, three like, you'll eventually win the game with that. I think so. Yeah. So and I'm you can proliferate them. on those lands and make them 4-4s. Four like, Ooh, you can do stuff. That's pretty spicy. Yeah, never thought of that. Now you're starting with, to get it. Combine her with the Landfall Druid? Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's like ooze. It's like that ooze, except with lands uh-huh so it takes a little bit more work but like you can win a game with that yeah the ceiling's definitely high on that one so all right i'm in that i'm in, i'm i don't think i'm quite a minus a minus me all right you're a minus nissa's triumph green green for a sorcery search your library for up to two basic forest cards and if you have nissa uh in play instead search your library for up to three land cards just any land reveal those cards put them in your hand and then shuffle your library not quite far seek. Well, it's not ramping you. But, I mean, it's basically a green divination, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to draw lands. Um, I'm not really sure why I would ever want to put that in a limited deck. Especially I, if it's green, green to cast and you're only getting forests off of it. Yeah, so I guess if I have the mana sloth and this, I've built myself a growth spiral. Two for one. Yeah, that's a good deal. Not sure if that works that way. Yeah, I I don't think I like this. I'm going to derate it. Like, you could play it. It's just, I'm not sure why you would. Yeah, I can't think of a reason to play this. So, I'm out on this one. I'm worse than D. I might even F it. Oh, wow. F it has been called. Mm-hmm. Paradise Druid for one and a green for a 2-1. As long as it's untapped, it has Hexproof. And you can add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So, it's your two-drop two mana dork. That they're not going to be able to bolt the bird. Mm-hmm. Now, it is uncommon, mm-hmm. so that kind of is what it is. Um, I would imagine that green is going to be very interested in ramping based on everything I've seen so far, like being able to cast this into untapping into a 4-mana four 4-4, four, four, even if I don't get to proliferate, kind of a big deal. Uh, I think this is probably a C+, maybe even B-. minus. I think it's probably going to be one of the premium uncommons for green. Yeah, I think you're never going to get as many as you want. Agreed. But I'm probably always going to first... Like, I'm going to look to first pick one of these ones in a lot of packs, I think. Just I won't be able it, to take it over removal or, like, a good Planeswalker. No, but I think it's certainly in that third tier, right? So I think it is a B-, minus, to be honest. Um, I think the the potential that it opens up for, for playing three colors or ramping, I think, is huge. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, want these it, guys over, I want these guys over the two for every day. For sure. And it's all that, plus it can trade for a two-drop if it has to. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, that's all very well and good. Okay. Next up is Pollen Bright Druid, one and a green for a 1-1 at common. 
uh, when it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter, on, or sorry, choose one, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, or proliferate. Okay. So this gets you a two, it's a two mana, two, two, worst case scenario. Yep. And then later in the game, it could be significantly more than that if it's putting other counters on a creature that's relevant for starters. We've seen that with like Ironback Beetle and stuff like that in the past. Uh, or if you've got a lot of counters floating around, you can proliferate and get some more use out of your Planeswalkers. Yep. So this looks super solid to me. I'd, I'd call this at least a C, maybe even a C plus. I think I'm in on the C plus. This these get better in multiples. Yeah. I think right. Like if I had if I had three or four of these in my two drop spot, I would be very happy with that. So you'd play the first one and it's a two two. You play the second one, make another one. Then you play the third one and both of those become three threes. Yeah. Or. You, like you're putting those things on relevant creatures in the mid to late game, and then you're proliferating, or you're just playing them proliferating after you've already had put plus one plus one counters from other sources or whatever, right? Like I think, I think there's a lot of options for pl- proliferate planeswalkers. You know, building a big creature, building a lot of medium sized creatures. I think there's a lot of things there. So, um, and I kind of liked Iron Shell Beetle, and this is just way better. Yeah. Right? Anytime other- you can have a two drop that's relevant later, you've got something. Mm-hmm. Plays really well in red with the the sacrifice theme. Yeah, I'll give you that too. Okay, right. looks there's, looks all right. There's your end of the battlefield effect with the sacrifice effect. So I, I'm very high on this card. I think. Okay. Primordial worm for green green for a seven six plus flavor text at common. This looks like I built a ramp deck and didn't get anything good to ramp to. So here we are. Uh, that's probably a. a D plus, like you can play it. I hope you got better six drops, but if you don't, you can put it in your deck. Yeah, I, I haven't done the number crunching, but a seven six seems pretty big in this format. It's it's just keyword big, so I'm yeah. with you on the D plus. Uh, Return to nature, one and a green for instant. Choose one, destroy target artifact or enchantment or exile target card from a graveyard. Um, of note, there's not a ton of auras or enchantments that, that seem to matter, and the artifacts are generally unimpressive that I've seen so far. Yeah, so this looks like a sideboard card if your opponent has an impressive one and something else. Yep, yeah, I agree. Snare Spinner, one in a green for a 1-3 spider at common with reach, and whenever it blocks a creature with flying, Snare Spinner gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. I'm pretty happy with that. That's at I, least I love, to see. I love blocking flyers, and in a world where you want to protect planeswalkers, this goes up in value. Yeah, the, the downside is like if both of us are building a deck to protect planeswalkers, it comes down to who's are better, right? Mm-hmm. But as far as, as as two drops go, this looks pretty good. It it solves one of Green's weaknesses, and most green decks weren't looking to just curve out and stomp people, although that deck is certainly here, right? So like there is a green deck that's wanting to curve out and stomp people, and in that deck, this guy doesn't really have a place. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look to side this out pretty quickly in some matchups for sure. Yeah. Right. Like I, I don't want this in my green two drop spot. There's better two drops for just general purposes. Um, but if I have a reason to be like, if I don't have a way to get rid of flyers, otherwise this is a, this goes up in value. So, uh, steady aim is another combat trick. One in a green instant untapped target creature gets plus one plus four and gains reach until end of turn. I'm usually pretty happy with combat tricks that untap something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is obviously not as good as Giant Growth because it's two mana instead of one. The untap can get people, so it's a little bit easier to use this as a, a combat trick. But using it on your opponent's turn has a lot of risk uh, because there's a possibility that they'll respond with an instant speed removal spell and get you. 
Uh, and so far, we've already seen some good ones in red. So, like, for me, this is a C-level combat trick. Um, like, I'll probably play the first one. I guess if I could have a giant growth and this, I'd probably still rather have two giant growths. Mm-hmm. Eh, I, like a, I like a split between my combat tricks. I like to get my opponents on their toes. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely a C on this one. Probably don't want more than one. Storm the Citadel, four and a green for a sorcery until end of turn... Creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and then gain the ability when they deal combat damage to a player or planeswalker, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. You're playing it, if you're playing it, you're playing it more for the first line than the second line. Yeah, I don't think I want that unless there's like a a real tokens go wide strategy in green white, uh, which would kind of surprise me. Uh, So this makes this a bit of a D. Like you should be able to ramp into better stuff than this at five. And there's certainly better ways to destroy an artifact. Like, very flavorful, uh, but I, I don't think actually very good. Yeah, if if there is a go-wide, um, I, I would come back and re-rate this card, or at least look to see if it's playable, but I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's probably not better than a D without going into white and seeing if there's a token token strategy there. Uh, Thundering Saratok is 4 and a green for a 4-5. There's your 4-5 for 5. Uh, with Trample. And when it enters the battlefield, other creatures you control gain trample until end of turn. How neat. I mean, the first one's got to be a C+, right? I mean, I think so. A 4-5 trample is pretty good most most of the time, I think. Yeah, and it could be relevant that your other dudes get trample. I mean, that looks pretty good to me. I'm happy with with that. I mean, if you're playing a bunch of 4-3s or 4-4s, four, four giving those things trample uh, can be relevant if you're attacking with them anyway. So, Yeah, I think this will go good in any green deck. Uh, so it's at least a C. Like, to be fair, like I haven't really seen better five drops in green, uh, and this one looks good to me. Mm-hmm. All right, Vivian, Champion of the Wilds, is another Planeswalker. Two and a green for a rare Planeswalker for loyalty. You may cast creature spells as, as though they had flash. That is her static ability. Uh, plus one until your next turn. Up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. And minus two, look at the top three cards of your library. Exile, exile one face down and put the rest on the bottom. For as long as it remains exiled, you may look at that card and you may cast it as if it's a creature card. Or, sorry, cast it if it's a creature card. I was going to say, you can't cast your sorceries as creatures. That'd be weird. Okay, so she's kind of on her own, draw two cards. Um, so it's it's green divination, uh, unless I want my creature to get vigilance and reach, which could certainly be relevant to help protect her, but I need a board for that anyway. Um, the, the cards I draw have to be creatures. I can still cast them if she goes away. It's hard to see a downside here. This looks like a, a solid B minus. Like I open this, I'm probably like, oh, let's maybe be green. A lot of card advantage built in here. The the casting creature spells as as though they had flash is really interesting to me. So like this is a planeswalker that I'm very interested in keeping around. I can see a play pattern with her where I don't minus two when I play her. I plus one instead uh, to defend her against flyers to make sure that she sticks around to be able to cast things as though they had flash next turn. Yeah, and then you untap, minus two, or exile the card, Mm -hmm. and then, like, they've got a real decision about do I attack or not, and there's really no way for them to deal with that, right? Like, if they play around it, you'd just be like, whatever, I'll cast it and attack you with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I like Vivian. She's obviously at her worst on an empty board. Yeah. Right? But you're in green, so chances are you're not on an empty board. Um, You're probably not playing her on turn three a lot of the time. She's probably more a mid-to-late game spell. I mean, if you're on the play, they missed a two drop, and this is my Mm -hmm. only three. I'll play it in minus two or oh, for sure. And and that's a that might be a common scenario. But like you know, you're on the draw, and your opponent played a two drop. 
you're probably not running this out naked. Maybe maybe you are. If it's two power, maybe you are. I don't know. Yeah. Next up is Vivian's Arcbow. One and a green for a legendary artifact uh, at rare. It has the ability X and tap, discard a card. Look at the top X cards of your library. You may put a creature card with converted mana cost, excuse me, X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. What? It's it's a mana sink, and it gets it it gives you a way to get rid of lands out of your hand, but they kind of fight against each other. Yeah, because you want to have enough land to activate it that you could hit realistically the good stuff in your car, your deck. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm probably it's got to be six. So I'm I'm basically early game paying two mana and discarding a card so that late game when I draw my seventh land I can cash it in for a creature. Yeah. Um, I'm not, really I'm not sure. interested in that. I don't think so either, but like, it's instant speed. That's cool. And it I is a box it, of chocolates. I think it I think it goes well in a deck that ramps. Does it though? Because you're spending a card to do stone nothing. And then when you get to six, you get to spend six mana to get something. Mm-hmm. But you don't know it's, what you're getting. No. Just play one more thing that you could get. Yeah. Like if you get, if you get two activations off this, then, then this I is the top deck bow. That's exactly what this is. This is the top deck bow. If it's you get really to good a situation, a no. When you get to a situation where you are top decking, you and your opponent are both top decking. Yours are always going to be better because yes. the worst thing you can draw is the best. You know, top six cards of your library. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Okay, so spend two mana, I get top deck protection, and I win a top deck war. If the format's super slow and grindy, maybe. Yeah, this one's I, really hard for me to evaluate. I'm going to defer evaluation on this one until I see it played. Yeah, I, I, well, if, if the format's super slow, this is probably going to be like a C plus, maybe even a B minus. And if mm-hmm. if like the decks are as aggressive as I think they are, and again, we've looked at the gruel colors so far, so I'm. I'm feeling like they're aggressive, but maybe maybe they're actually not, and there's good answers to those cards. Uh, but if you're just dead before you can get to, you know, doing all of these machinations, then the card's not going to be very good. Yeah, I, the discard a card effect really hurts this, because you, you want to be discarding lands, but you want to be playing lands. Like, it just works against you. That's why I said a ramp deck might be the one that wants this card, or yeah. they can make, they can get full value out of this card. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably never get to play it. Same. All right, Vivian's Grizzly, two and a green for a 2-3, Bear Spirit. With the uh, activated ability, man, you're going to love this format. I can just feel it right now. Three and a green. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card or Planeswalker card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't, put it on the bottom of your library. And it's a common. Like, that looks fantastic to me. How can you not love this? Now, just understand, your play pattern is not play this out, turn four, use it. Unless you have absolutely nothing else to do. This is a, a, a three drop that's pretty good on turn three. It blocks, it attacks, it does all of those things. And if you happen to draw it late game, you can make sure you're drawing creatures or planeswalkers, which is probably what you're looking for. If you have to find a removal spell, maybe you don't activate it. But like into turn, spend four mana, eight mana, you know, put a land on the bottom, draw a creature. Seems great to me. Now, it's not quite Duskwatch Recruiter obviously yeah but, but at but at common it's a pretty good impression of dusk watch recruiter dusk watch recruiter yeah so for dusk, sure dusk watch recruiter was like 
uh, a, a two drop that had a three mana activated ability looked at top three and get a creature. Mm-hmm. And it had the upside of, well, when you're doing that and not casting any spells, it just flips the next turn and now all your creatures are cheaper, if I remember correctly. So yep. this is obviously not that. But the fact that the play pattern, the worst case play pattern for this one, you know, assuming you hit your fourth land drop, is you play this on turn three and you have nothing to do on turn four, but you still get to do something on turn four. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I like about this is it puts irrelevant cards on the bottom, not like Dried Green Seeker, where it would keep the card on top if it was a card you weren't drawing. And you're like, man, I just really need to hit lands, right? Your Dried Creature puts a, sees a, a, a creature on top. It's like, great, I still have to draw that. I just wanted a land. You know, this has the ability of like, you probably don't need a land, but if you're looking for something very specific, you can end of turn activate this and put it on the bottom. You can you can fail to reveal it, put it on the bottom, and get another look at something else next turn. Yeah. So it, like you're scrying essentially, and and I think that's really cool. I'm I'm gonna love this common. There are a lot of powerful commons in this set. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, well, I guess you wouldn't put it like let's say it's a creature. You may as well draw it instead of put it on the bottom. Like, why not? Oh yeah, you, like you're right. You're not losing it there, right? But do you know what I mean? Like. I'm trying to think of a... I guess there's not really a, a, a time where you would put it on the bottom if it was a creature. You just always draw it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, like, th- th- this is a mana sink on a reasonable body. I'm happy C+. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, is it better? It might be better than that. But it's going to be hard for... Here. Yeah. 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 All right. And then, finally, we have Ward Scale Crocodile. Actually, sorry. We got one more after this. Uh, four and a green for a 5-3 Hexproof. That seems with, solid. With no auras in the set to to put on it. Yeah, it's still fine. It's going to trade down a lot, so I think a lot of decks might prefer the 4-5, but like this is a, a playable 5-drop. I, I I do think I like the 4-5 Ceratoc better in most cases, mm-hmm. uh, but this is something that like they have to trade a creature for. So like your opponent that's playing a, a, a deck with a lot of removal spells and not a lot of creatures could have some trouble with this, um, and Giant Growth being in the format means that you know, it's totally safe, no matter how much mana they have up, to giant growth this bad boy it's gonna live through it because they can't kill it yeah yeah i i'm i've had like the c minus territory there's other five drops i want more than this one i think same all right and then finally a card that was revealed as we were recording this podcast uh it wasn't put in the the spoiler list here until it was revealed by muffin pastry pie herself plain wide celebration Five green green. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, Bolas loses. I don't mean to spoil the story there for you, Travis. Five green green for a rare sorcery. Choose four. You may choose the same mode more than once. So your four modes are create a 2-2 creature token. That's all colors. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Proliferate and gain four life. You can do those any number, or sorry, any combination of those four times. And you can choose the same mode more than once. So we beat Bolas, and this is what we get? Yeah. A bunch of tutus? Or a, or four cards from your graveyard? Or, like, two tutus and two cards from your graveyard? Or pro- proliferate? Man, pro- proliferating four times would be kind of sweet in the right deck. It it's could be, expensive. but it's seven mana. I'm just, I'm just out. Like, that's, not... that's a D. It, it's not that it's bad to cast when you have seven mana. It's that you need to have seven mana still be alive and then cast it. Yeah. It's an interesting card. It's not even an interesting card to ramp to because all you're getting... I mean, you're getting four tutus, but you can't take advantage of the other modes if you're ramping to it. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out. Agreed. 
I'm I'm on the D. That was green and red. Yeah, that was pretty intense, man. Yeah, we went through that. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd like this new format. We're gonna have to see how the next two episodes go because uh, that was a lot of talking. Um, it, but it, was it was, but I was excited because I know people are going to be watching the pre-pre-release soon. They're going to be getting mm-hmm. ready for their own pre-releases, and I want them to have this information to take with them to play with these cards and report back. If we're you know very wrong about a particular card or very right about a particular card and they can get an edge from that, I, I want them to have that opportunity. Yeah, I'm uh, very interested to see how the abilities play out and how the Planeswalkers play out. Because um, essentially, like the Planeswalkers are the third... Um, ability in this set I'm, I'm i'm treating them as so you have a mass you have proliferate and then you have planeswalkers at uncommon and i think there'll be some interesting play patterns it's i think it's going to be a very skill challenging or, or skill testing set um and i think the powerful on or the powerful commons that we've seen we've seen some really good removal at common we've seen some some really good creatures at common um and the fact that there's mana sinks in the format i think there's the good players are going to thrive uh so i, I look forward to getting trounced uh, and watching good and watching good players thrive in this format. I, yeah, I hope that it's that, and I'm very excited. It sucks that Bolas isn't coming through for us here, uh, but at least we can we can play with him one more time. Yeah, there's some pretty cool cards coming up in the uh, in the other colors as well as the multicolored. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll talk about those next week in our next episode. Uh, so look for us then. And where can they catch you in the meantime? And actually, probably before then, we should we should also mention that we're doing. Uh, the War of the Spark preview stream on Arena. Thanks to Watsy for the invite to both of us. Uh, we both got fully stocked accounts um, and all the gems we can play sealed with, so it's it's going to be great. Uh, so thank you for the invite to that to Wizards. Um, but where can they catch you doing that next week? Can catch me doing that as well as the set review with Ethan. I think will be on uh, 420. I may be the week after, depending on how he's feeling. He was a little under the weather. Uh, but you can find me at twitch.tv slash simulan. And I'm at twitch.tv slash dcivillian. It's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. Uh, sounds like I'm going to be a host or a host, a guest on uh, on your stream for the War of the Spark preview. And then I'll be doing my own stream uh, later that afternoon or later that evening. So really looking forward to that. That is next week on 20, the 23rd, Tuesday the 23rd, if I remember correctly. So look forward to that. Thanks again to Watsy for that. Also, thanks to Face to Face Games for the support and the host. We'll catch you next time. Adios.